Oh, and I can't help it. I always have to say we're recording because I see it. I just... <laughs> What's going on? What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome, welcome to Fell into Phenomenal Podcast. Uh, back at it another again. I am, I guess you could say a host, Coach T, uh, along with my brother, Terrence. Uh, co-host extraordinaire fell into phenomenal uh, graduate himself. Uh, yeah. I'm not only the client, I'm the player president. Well, okay, when I say graduated, yeah, I, I say you graduated because we have to learn how to celebrate ourselves because I have to be honest, man. So, Mondays are very... Oh, crazy. Yeah, you froze up for a second. I, you said you gotta be honest, you gotta learn to do what? Yeah, okay. Well, I wasn't froze up over here, but it's all good. So, am I still frozen? No, you good. Okay, so I have to be honest with myself. So, Mondays are very fruitful. Uh, I got a plethora of calls and, and information that, that is poured into me, and then I also pour into others. So, my six o'clock call, my extreme execution call, where I learned how to be the coach and facilitate the flight assessment and things like that. We had a call today, and the the topic was "Where's the win?" and basically learning to how I how to identify the win in the in the midst of the process. So even when sometimes you don't. Uh, reach the goal there's still a win to be celebrated if you're intentional and deliberate about what it is that you're doing whether the goal is to be uh, self-aware or if it's to create a boundary or whatever the case may be but just in that conversation and then we have little breakout sessions and they talk about you know share a big win and um, the steps that you took to achieve that win and how do you celebrate. And I have to be honest, with all that I've done and still am doing, uh, I struggle with celebrating myself because I still have to build myself up from a level of low self-worth because of how the weight of being... Uh, labeled as a felon carries. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I, I had a moment. Like, I got emotional. It's like, because cause she, before we had the breakout group, she was like, and I know some of y'all going to act like, oh, I don't celebrate. I don't celebrate, so don't do that. And I laughed, and she called me out for it. And when we got into the group, it was uh, three of us. So the other ladies went, and they were confident, you know, about their wins. And they shared um what they had going on and when it got to me i was like okay well i i can muster up something you know um and not like muster like make it up but i was like pushing huh like bring it out yeah yeah because i was gonna push it down i was gonna push it to the side i was gonna be overly humble if you will and it's like and and then with this group that I'm in, I mean, look, this is a group that's associated with ET, uh, you know, the number one motivational speaker. There are people that are, are achieving some great things. And 
you can get caught up in comparison and thinking that your wins are not big enough, but that was the kind of conversation. It was about celebrating your wins, no matter the size. Right. It was learning to celebrate yourself. Right. It's like, you've done more than most. Right. Like, you get caught up in this group and think it's the world. No, this, this group is a piece. Right. And this group is a small piece of people who choose to do the right thing. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, this is the guest asking me for a code. There is no code. Did that does it ask you for a code when you come in? No. Okay. I don't know nothing about no code. I just put my name. Yeah. I go down, scroll down, and I I enter the studio. Yeah. That's it. But that's good stuff, though. I I struggle with that with that as well. Celebrating mm-hmm. my wins, I, I can acknowledge them. And say that I, I'm I'm in a different space or a different place than where I was before in comparison to like what I used to to gain from the things in the challenges. Even even when it comes to just doing it differently than I did the last time, I, I like to try to congratulate myself. But like you know, small ceremonies like you said, or even pats on the back, or just good job and treat yourself to something that you haven't treat yourself from. You know, it's a good celebration because it builds that self-esteem. It gives that motivation. It gives you that push to keep going. You know, when when I was in the gym and I first started working out, coming from that 260, and I just started seeing weight start shedding off and start seeing other parts of my body and the clothes not being able to fit, you know, it makes you feel like you're doing something, like you're not wasting your time. You know what I mean? So it definitely, it, it keeps you motivated to keep doing what you're doing. And, and it's just... I mean, it's good to celebrate. The, it, it's a process. Like you said, it's the journey. and Each process has a stage, and each one of them is a win because it's further than where you was yesterday. So by acknowledging yourself that, it, you know, it builds yourself to let you know that you are becoming. Absolutely. But to, to, to be... I mean, to face the fact that it's something that can kind of be there all the time, kind of be nagging. Like, I wonder if it's just because of our particular situation or is that something that anybody would deal with? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess with their experiences in life, I mean, I guess with that. Everybody deals with it. It's just different for every individual. For me, because I'm goal oriented, you know, it's because I am like looking for that end prize. And if I haven't gained that end prize, then. It's like, what's there to celebrate? That's for me personally. I can't celebrate until I accomplish what I, I'm setting out for. And in a sense, like, after today's the momentum call, it kind of just, it shows me the things that I lack in the areas that I lack in. For instance, to differentiate between the distance or the time frame between making goals. You know, when, when I'm making my three goals, I'm thinking like these are goals along that time frame but but here it is those are long-term goals i never looked at it in that sense so now i have to reevaluate that's a win i i felt proud and excited about it because like okay if i'm missing this mark continuously then now you're telling me why i'm missing this mark it's not things that i'm i'm not reaching out for for the way that you reach out for for what particularly matters right now so in that sense i I feel that I should celebrate over the fact of the correction that you like. And those are long-term goals. I need something that's going to meet the mark in these 12 weeks that you'll be able to see. 
which is good because then that teaches you how to make realistic exactly well now nah, that's definitely the goal of of implementing the 12 week uh year challenge with the three goals it's, it's, it's really what we learn about ourselves throughout that process Absolutely. Because it's going to take us a couple of tries before we actually start setting three goals and then accomplishing them at 12 weeks right. first we got to get the kinks out of who we are because that's a short amount of time that's a big turnaround right you know what i'm saying like how many like people aren't regularly making goals on a 12-week period they're making it on a 12-year period right and i mean 12-month period and not accomplishing nothing right it's still about time right it limits your potential like you put things out it limits your potential all right my boy jumped in here man uh summer adam Adam to the chat. He's looking around like he don't know what's going on, but it's all good. <laughs> Hello. Before you uh, get started, man, uh, I'm happy to have you on. I know this is not your norm, you know, uh, but we've had many conversations and I admire your work ethic. I admire the way you take care of your family and love your wife. And we've had great conversations Absolutely. and you have a story to tell. And I just want to get, get nosy, kind of get in your business a little yeah. bit. But also identify lessons like in your life that that could be used uh, for the for the community. You know what I'm saying for my fellow to phenomenal people. So uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce to y'all uh, Darius uh, Wilkerson, aka Rambo Too Funny. Yeah, come on. Follow that boy on social media. Uh, introduce you to my brother uh, Terrence. He's my co-host, man. Uh, and Please we're rocking and rolling, man. Pleasure, bro. How you doing? I'm good, man. The wife and kids ain't here. Quiet. I cut everything off. <laughs> oh, look at you. That's what I'm talking about. Man of the house. I ain't mad at you. I unplug everything in. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I appreciate you. I appreciate you shutting it down, giving us some time. Yeah. <laughs> So look, man, uh, so how long you been in Houston? I know you're not originally from Houston, man. Where, where you come from? Because I, I heard where you come from, it's pretty rough out there, man. You, you yeah. run away from something? Yeah, I'm uh, originally from Milledgeville, Milledgeville, Georgia. And um, I've been out, I've been in Houston for 10 years this year in June. In June. So a couple more months, my 10-year Houston anniversary. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's crazy is we was on TV with one of my classmates. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I, I wasn't surprised she was in there. I was just surprised she was in there with you. Okay, so for those of y'all who have seen my season of 60 Days In, uh, there's a young lady named Jasmine. Matter of fact, hey. the one that came in there on the phone going at it with uh Lucida girl. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that's what that's what we talking about. And uh yeah, she she is definitely a uh interesting yeah. <laughs> we, we claim her as a classmate. She ain't graduated though. We claim her though. That's real, that's love. That's how we gotta we do our she so would have. she's still invited. She's still yeah. invited. Yeah. 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 Right? So what was it like out there? And, and uh, where is it from? Where is it? Millage, Millageville, Georgia. It's about a, uh, it's about an hour south of Atlanta. It's in the midway point of uh, of Georgia. 
And um, to be honest, it's uh, you know blue collar, low income. You know, it's very uh, behind the times. You know, everybody, mama worked at the same place. You either worked at the state at the prison, or you worked at green manufacturing plant, the AC plant. So what happened was they shut that AC plant down where they made the ACs at, and you know the, the poverty, you know, hit hard. You know. You know, you raising young black men in, the, in an environment and the money ain't rolling in. I got on Jay, but he don't. You know, they start making, you know, the decisions and um, it just, it's really rough. Uh, like it's one of, it's the top drive-by city in Georgia. Yeah, so I lived in the, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the woods, in the backwoods, in the country. And so I was uh, away from a lot of that. I didn't really have a lot of that. But, they always respected me when they knew that I was a square, you know, I was a country boy, you know, so when I was around, I made sure none of that went off and popped off or whatever, and uh, it was already respect. I tried, I tried to be a dope, but I ain't gonna be like, I tried to be a thug. They said, hey man, nah, man, we gonna snitch, we gonna, you gonna snitch, we gonna have to kill you, we, we gonna talk to your dad about it, nah, man, we don't want that life for you, man, go to church, go to school, man, get them grades, so they kicked me out the trap. I couldn't even hang out over there. So, um, you know, me growing up, I, when I graduated from uh, JUCO, I graduated from Georgia Military College. I had a decision to make. I was 21 turning 22. I said, I know if I stay here, it's gonna go, it's gonna go the wrong way. I know I'm gonna end up making some bad decisions. And because um, I was already, you know, finding myself getting into little fights and stuff like that. So my dad was living here in Katy, Texas. And um, he called me. He was like, hey, you need to apply for Sam Houston. They got a really good business program. Thank you. I like it. And so I came out here and I visited. And I said, yeah, this is what I need. It's a breath of fresh air. Uh, you know, I got, went back to school, got my associates uh, in Georgia. I said, now it's time to shake it up one more time. And um, it's been history ever since. Man, that's what's up. Okay, okay, boy came to uh, Houston for the opportunity. Sound like Will Smith uh, story. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. So you said you tried. You know what I'm saying uh, to get down a little bit, but what was it that kind of like deterred you from not doing that? And like, what was a hardship that you had to overcome? Even though like you didn't have to have that struggle, like what's something that you had to overcome that was pretty tough for you? Yeah, so I was in the, um, you know, you when, you when you raised by a black man, it's a lot of pressure, and uh, that's that, it. Don't get talked about a lot. Now, it's, it's, I'm grateful for being raised by a black man, but it's a lot of pressure to go get it. Right, you can't sit down here. You got to go get it. But I'm a grown man. I ain't have it, and I ain't, I was trying to figure out a way to get it. Cause at the time, I'm like, I ain't got it. And I, I'm you telling me I'm supposed to be having all this stuff. I go to I go to try to get this job. They paying me nine dollars an hour. I'm toting furniture. I'm mopping bowling alleys. I'm you know I'm like man, this trying to do it y'all way. Yeah. You know trying to do it the legal way, but man, this little uh hundred eighty dollar check. I ain't maybe done with that every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so um you know you go around the guys. You know they got the box Chevys on. 26, 24s, I pull up in my little Honda Civic. You know, I, I don't want to park next to nobody. I park far just so I can walk up. I'm going to walk up. I ain't going to ride up. I'm going to walk up. 
People think I'm in my girlfriend car every time I pull up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just like, so, uh, you know, you see that and um, people say it all the time, you know, don't compare yourself and, you know, look at what other people got, but it's tough. It's tough, especially when you're in that small, confined area and where that's all they know. Oh, you got a, oh, you got a night car with some big rims on it. You got the, you know, you got the chains on, you got the J's on. All the women around the city love you. You know, everybody saying you the man or whatever. You want that. You kind of yearn for that. That um, and uh, what what deterred me was uh, I was involved in a drive-by shooting. I was uh, I was standing standing outside. I got into it with some guys a while back, and uh, you know, hood in the hood. A lot of people don't talk about it, but hood dudes are really emotional. You know, like that it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of pain in the hood. It's a lot of emotion. And when you when you touch somebody that's with me, when you shoot somebody or beat somebody up that was with me, affiliated to me, that hurt my feelings. You know, and now that I'm hurt, I gotta I gotta react. Now I gotta react. And so um their reaction was, you know, they pulled up to where we we, we hung out at, pulled up, came down the street, you know, just started dumping. And my boy, Nick, my partner next to me, he had a gun. That's why I say everybody a shooter till they get shot at. Cause mm-hmm. my boy had a gun. I'm on the ground. They dumping. He freeze up. Scared to shoot. Just standing still. There's a standing target. And uh, I, after that point, I was just like, nah. I hear bullets flying past my head. I hear uh, buildings, like pieces of the building coming off. I don't know what they were shooting with, but I was like, "Nah, man, I don't, I don't want their life right here." And so um, that that was the, yeah, because they just shooting in the blind. That, that, that it ain't no code, it ain't no nothing. They could have hit somebody's grandma. Cause we was at the house, could have hit a kid. And I was like, nah, I couldn't have my name attached to that. I just seen my name in the headlines. My mom on them, you know, crying and. I was trying to figure out why I'm over there, you know, and all that stuff. And I was like, nah, I gotta, they raised me, they they put too much time into raising us the right way for me to go out like that. And so I knew I had to make a decision um, for me and for my family to, you know, get up out of there. Okay, so that that family, that that, that family oriented come from, from uh, growing up, man. Like you just, yeah. That support matters, man. You see how you, you use your family as support to be like, nah, I ain't gonna mess up my family name like that. Let me go ahead and move around. Right. God, that's what's up, man. So how did uh Rambo Too Funny come about, man? So uh me and me and my granddaddy, man, that my granddad, that was my best friend. And so growing up, uh, when I would go to his house, he would always be watching the Rambo movie. You know, um, the Rambo movies and um you know, sports, baseball, football, whatever. Rambo was his thing, you know. And um I, he was the in the in the Rambo movies, Rambo got like a colonel or a sergeant he report to. He used to call himself that guy. He used to call me Rambo. And uh, one day I got involved in a fight across the street from his house over a basketball game. And the guys, uh, they jumped me. And they got the best of me. They beat me up. I didn't hit the ground though, you know. And um from he called me Rambo, like you, you little Rambo, little Rambo. He, they can't mess with they, they can they can beat you up, 
they can do all this to you, but they can't take you down. You're a one-man army. A lot of people don't know. You watch the Rambo movies. A lot of times he did his missions by himself. And he said, uh, he always told me that, you know, you don't need nobody. Uh, you do your stuff by yourself. You, you can stand firm on your own. And I always operate like that. And that's how the nickname Rambo came. Oh, that's fire, man. I love that. Oh, that's a beautiful story. God, dog. <laughs> look, man, you had a daddy. You had a grandfather. Like, look, it, it's it's a truth in every joke. Because I've seen that uh, behind the scenes video. Yeah. Pray at being show talking about you the only one that had a daddy. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah. See, look at that channel. Man, this thing keep freezing on me. Hold on. Yeah, I seen that. I said, you got split. Look at that. I ain't never been getting hell today, okay? <laughs> hello, hello. God damn. How you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but but what I wanted to ask though is like, what uh, what change or difference do you see in the fact that you did have male influence as opposed to people that you hang around with, like that you uh, deem as valuable that you will pass on to your own son? Yeah. So, uh, man, it was so pivotal. It was so pivotal because um, growing up, a lot of my friends were in the hood, they they were, uh, you know, in the poverty stricken areas, single mom type situation. And I would have to share my daddy a lot. My daddy would, he wasn't just my dad, he was my friend daddy too, cause he, he was all dad, you know? And it was it was pivotal to have just that structure and that presence. And I was like, now that I'm older, I realized him just being there. You know, when somebody walk in the house, and everybody just start cleaning up for no reason, or you hear a truck coming down the road, and you just start doing stuff for no reason. That that is so important, and it was pivotal for me because I always saw a man love a woman through everything, like through raising kids, through jobs, through struggle with finances, through vacations, through all that. I always saw my daddy kiss my mama before he left the house. You know, I always saw my daddy protect my mama and the family, you know. Uh, he, I learned how to shoot a gun. I learned gun, um, I'm gonna say, I learned uh, gun discipline at the age of six years old. You know, how to operate a firearm. Um, I learned, you know, the basis of survival. How to never depend on nobody else but yourself to survive. You know, you figure that part out. You Now, it's time where if, if they not, if my family they ate, I, it ain't nothing left. I just, I'm good. I'm, I'm figuring me out. Y'all, as long as y'all ate, you know. And um, seeing my, that's my dad. Seeing my granddad love my grandma in the later years, in the sixties and seventies, um, that was uh, important because even though they argued a lot, I heard the love inside the argument. Mm. And so my granddad, he was. Uh, um, he was kind of taking care of my grandma towards the end because she had dementia and uh, Alzheimer's. But he ended up having a stroke and he passed before her because he was, you know, he old, he think he can do it, but he really couldn't handle all that. So he ended up passing before she did. Seven months later, my grandma passed away. So the message I got from that is, everybody like, oh, well, it was her time. When you were with somebody for 60 years, you can't live without them no more, right? Like, you used to, they, you used to the simple stuff like him just, 
getting up and going outside, pinning around in the yard. He used to my grandma, you know, you know, cutting up a banana and putting it in a cereal, you know, and cussing her out about it. You know, like it's the small things like that that I saw in the um in the religion. They kept they kept us in the church. My grandma and granddad, they'll argue in the choir stand, you know, because <laughs> my granddad, he was just he was like that everything had to be right. And no matter where they went, they love was the same. Whether it was a church, whether it was a family function, whether we on vacation, whether they just going to the grocery store, it was always consistent, you know. And a lot of people don't understand that it takes a really long time to get that consistency, you know. Because in the earlier years, it's kind of, you know, once you settle in, you retire, you collect more tickets. That, that just that flow. Just, oh yeah, you gotta figure each other out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the beginning, you're trying to figure it out, like yeah. yeah. And time is the only one thing that can really get you. Yep. Get you in the flow. Yeah. When I say I want, when I say I want to be with somebody for you know long term forever, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, uh, not everybody think you know, go to the grave with you. That ain't what they mean. <laughs> I just want to, you know. I want I want that in my in my later years I don't want to be alone. And my mm-hmm. grandma she always put an emphasis on you need to have you a family. So go out here and live your whole life. And got, ain't got no family. Like my uncle ain't got no family right now. He got that magic mm-hmm. girlfriend. He didn't have same girlfriend for ten years. We ain't nobody met her. Ain't nobody met her. It's been about two years. He been talking about that lady. She showed up and nothing. He ain't been rolled around. We ain't seen no pictures or nothing. Yeah, yeah she ain't giving no medication. She ain't nah, doing so I don't want to be in that situation. My grandma right. said, I always had you a family. And I didn't realize how important that was. So I got my own house and we started hosting holidays here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas was here. Um, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day was here. And that's how, if I didn't have no family, I'd be somewhere at somebody else's house. Mm-hmm. And so it was um, those things, seeing that black man in those spaces is really what made me lock in. I like that. I like that, man. That's my dog, man. Tell you, okay, look, so did you meet him for the first time? You got any question for him? Because I keep going. <laughs> you keep going. I, I, I don't. I'm just saying. I mean, I know you didn't meet him for the first right time. Right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know you be having, your mind be working, nigga. You ask me one question. <laughs> 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 I'm just I'm just soaking it in right now. <laughs> just, yeah. All right, well look, so it's my podcast, so we're gonna start talking about me. Okay, so yeah. there's a conversation that we've had. We've had many conversations and I honestly feel com- compelled, like spirit led to feed into you because like I said, I love what you're doing. I love to see black sure. men showing sure. love, doing their work, just standing up and being a freaking man, okay? So yeah. I just, I mean, I don't know if that has any effect or bearing on you, but I mean, any conversation that we had, like if you could just kind of expound on that because I want to let people know, like I choose to deal and work with felons, but the information that I have is universal. And yeah. I mean, I've implemented it in my own life and made great changes and I mean, people like you receive it and put it into practice and uh, seem to have some type of uh, positive results from it. Yeah, so uh, one one key conversation, uh, probably one of our most recent conversations, I was at a show and it was like in a, um, like in a, I'm like a warehouse type deal, like 
not no big show, just like a little uh, thrown together show almost. And uh, I'm walking out, and TNT pulled me aside. She said, "Ramo, you gotta stop using your wasting your gift in these spaces." And I had to, I had to pause for a second. I said, well, "What you mean?" She said, "Elevation requires separation." She said, "You gotta show yourself in the right spaces because it's all about your brand." She said, "It's time to strengthen your brand." She right. So since then, I have you know that was the the, the that was spark me shooting my own and producing my own comedy special. There we go. It's two. Put your horn. Lay it out. You done done something else too. Let the people know what you done done. Yeah, yeah. It led to that, and then um, it led to me you know shooting a um, currently shoot just shot a movie with Trader True called Soul. So it may, not only did it make me expand my stage presence, but it also made me expand into a different avenue. I had, it was my, one of my first movies I've been in. And, uh, you know, it, it stretched me and it, and it polished me, that conversation polished me to be able to host, co-host on the podcast. We just interviewed Lil Boosie two weeks ago, you know, and um, this is that was an uncomfortable space for me hosting co-hosting a live audience podcast because I'm just so used to it being me by myself on stage. So you got to know cadence, you got to know timing, what this person finna say, they gonna say, and then let still breathe. And, you know, um, there's more working parts involved in co-hosting a live audience, pod, audience podcast versus just me walking up on stage and making people laugh. I was uncomfortable on the movie set, you know, about the uh, 12, 13 hours, they reshoot my scene over and over. I'm, go, I'm used to going on stage, telling my jokes 30 minutes and going home. You know, so me being out there, you know, wardrobe changes, you know, all that stuff, it just made me uncomfortable, which is what I needed. And um, it, um, the last thing, the conversation that me and TNT had was that motivated me to not make excuses for myself, you know, I would. Oh man, I got, I got two kids. I got a job. I got to work. I got to be home, with my family, or whatever. But it, it's, it's a certain level of sacrifice you have to have because you dis, you almost disservice your family by not going to chase your dream, by not going to pursue that passion. If I keep working this job, I'm limited to what I can do for my family. The job never gonna pay me what my talents are truly worth. Come on now. Yeah. So they, they built the business. It's their stuff. You know, I'm just chill. I'm just a vessel. And yeah. so um, that conversation that night, it just, it just, it was a 180 for me. It turned everything around because uh, I was just, and TNT, she picked up on it. She can kind of see I was just doing little stuff here and there, you know, trying to stay. Keep shopping in the saw, trying to stay tight or whatever, playing with it basically. And that conversation, the only thing she had to tell me was, you gotta stop wasting your guilt in spaces. Man, you, had, hey. you never know <laughs> how they gonna hit you, but when it do, <laughs> man. Yeah, for you to just take those few sentences, a few few words, and, and turn it into all that you've done. 
man that just that just goes to show man how much you out here dimming your light like you like you took some phrases and made it into three opportunities yeah like i'm just so so thankful for that and i mean you coachable like and you 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 receive information well and i see nothing but great things for you i ain't prophesying i'm just saying you're doing the work TNT man it's like it's a different level of respect everybody all the comedians know all the artists know don't play with tnt don't play with her time don't don't play with her money you know <laughs> like don't play with her and, and like she say coachable because she's around a lot of the entertainment and she sees a lot of the egos that fly around and pride that flies around and um i'm normally that the guy that's more open-minded and i'm gonna hear you out before i say ah nah i got it I don't need them, man. What you talking about? I've been doing this. I got that. I, I got I'm doing it on my own. I know that. I know how to tell jokes. I got this. You know, a lot of cats be on, like, I got it figured out. I, I don't. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have it figured out yet. So I, I'm open to receive all that, you know. Well, you know, I, I have a question concerning what you just stated right now. Knowing that your, your people, your, your dad taught you how to be very independent and self sufficient. How were you able to remain humble in situations like that to be open and receptive to somebody you see, knowing that you grew up with that type of mentality? So a real specific situation. It's gonna sound real simple, but hear me out. I met my with, with my granddaddy and we went to the bootlegger house in the country, they said look out the house. <laughs> and so we go to the bootlegger house and uh, I'm a little boy at the time, maybe 19 years old. Of course ain't nothing enough for me to drink. You know, <laughs> so the bootlegger he came in the house. It was it was remember being dark. He had a funny smell, and uh, he came to me. He said, "Young man, you want some? You want a soda? You want something to drink?" He, he slid a soda across the table to me. I said, "No, thank you, no sir." My granddad kind of had this grimace on his face. He's like, okay, all right, um, okay, yeah, you all right. Do whatever you need. Make yourself at home, you good. On the way home, my granddad cut the music down. He said, let me tell you something. He said, if somebody offer you something, you receive it. Even if you don't want it, you, you get in your car, get down the road, throw it out the window. But when you in somebody else's house, you in somebody else's space, and they offer you something, you take it. He said, it because it shows a sign, like you say, a modesty. And I'm not too good not to receive this from you, even though your house smells a little funny, smell dirty. <laughs> I didn't want to drink or eat nothing over there. Right, it is glass probably dirty. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I do that um, at work. What are you talking about? Why give me a plastic? Yeah. Go, and so, um. Like that dirty so like you said it was dirty, bro. It was like little leaves on the top of the can and everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was um that situation from then on. I always somebody offered me something, I always take it. I always take it. Even if, even if I don't want it. And um uh, it and that translated into me not the physical and concrete things, but also in the abstract of receiving information, knowledge, uh, advice motivation you know because you can block that as well you know so um 
it all it, it translated right into that. Absolutely, yeah. No, I was gonna say that, like that concept. Yeah, he was talking about the soda, but you've applied that to life. Right and, to life, generally. man. Yeah, and that's yeah. critical thinking. You know that's critical, right? Big facts. Yeah, yeah. Big facts. I like that. That one uh, the interpretation that did end up being applied in one area. That's good stuff. Like Absolutely, that. man. But yeah, so look, you got somebody in your family that's uh recently uh, what dealing with prison probation or parole? Yeah. Yeah. They got together? Uh I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to reach out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't look, I don't want you to be crossing boundaries if you're the next to buy. I don't know. No, no, no. No, man, uh it's crazy you say that because I've been I've been writing been writing about a lot of my just something I never really tapped into is that my family and close friends that are incarcerated currently and you know how how to translate that into um, you know, comedy because um, a lot of people think it would be easy you know to, oh man somebody oh your homeboy locked up whatever man you should be easy to write it's not easy to write on that because I miss my. my my family, I miss my, uh, my friends, and so um, it took me a little while to get to get to that point, you know. And I, I ain't gonna lie, like I'm, I'm sensitive, I'm emotional, so a lot of stuff like about my family, it's probably I could blow up tomorrow. But the way I'm attached to it emotionally is kind of like it's gonna take me a little while, take me a little longer to get there. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends, um, my boy, he called me from prison by maybe two, three months ago. And he called me and he set his phone up. I don't know, he was in prison, but he went like in the cell. He was somewhere else, around on the yard somewhere where they got like a little mechanic shop or something. He, he, you know, learning to trade. Mm. He and uh, he working on the motorcycle. He, nah, nah, nah. Boy, I got, I got me a Harley behind that wall, boy. <laughs> First one with a motorcycle behind that wall, boy. <laughs> hey, tell the come with all the zoos and wham, wham. The yeah. zoos and wham, wham. The snack cakes. Yeah, yeah the snack cakes. Yeah. <laughs> he danced with me. Hey, motorcycle ain't got no wheels on it. I said, nah, they, you know they yeah. ain't gonna ride it. <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> we to the people at home, cause he got like seventy five Facebook pages. I just stopped doing dealing with him. I said, right. nah, I'm not adding nothing no more. I'm not doing that no more. Okay, how many times you flip the words in your name around so they not try? You know, when you, when you go live on these people's stuff, doing drugs and making alcohol in these people establishment, you don't think that they ain't gonna catch on to it? Come on now. They ain't hate no man, they hate no me cuz. Yeah, I'm gonna get more money than the guard. I'm getting more money than the guard, cuz. You can't spend it nowhere but commissary. <laughs> get more money than the sergeant. I'm getting more money than Oh man, that's crazy. He called out of town like the yeah, cuz you see it be noodles, slim gems, honey buns. Right. It's snacks, it's snacks. Yeah, dice, Well you say that was like a couple of months ago, so it's like is it tough 
you know, having friends locked up as far as like trying to provide like enlightenment. Like, I mean, we joking about the energy and attitude that he had, but you know, that's what got him in there and it ain't gonna help him if you wanna stay out. Right. So uh it's tough. Um the toughest ones are those who I know got locked up and those I know who did it. You know, them ones. It's really like like bro, you really did that, bro. Like I got a guy I played football with in high school. He's currently incarcerated for uh, rape. Mm. And you know how like you kind of grow up with somebody, you be around a mama, you know. And when they say you never truly know a person, that's so true because I thought I knew this guy. He didn't never do nothing like that. And um, so the first a- allegations came out, of course, the whole, all the black people, you know, he, oh man, they, they trying to get him. You know, they, they lying. He did that, that boy Ray good. He got good people, his parents did right by him. He ain't got that in him. He ain't gonna rape nobody, boom, boom, boom. Second allegation coming out, and they um, confirmed DNA. We got to wait a minute now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you really did that, boy? They got you on camera? Mm-hmm. Raping a white girl in the back alley, bro? You'll be the one that was tough because, like, bro, I, I, I was around you. Like, I, like we it was cool, you know what I'm saying? And we, like, I had to block him on all social media because... He would still reach out, you know, ask for a cash out, asking him, like, bro, like, them, them the tough ones, them the ones that had you confused, like, bro, you really, you really did that, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I got, um, the guy that, the guy that called me or whatever, he was an accessory to something that happened. He was just, you know, in the car or whatever. It's a little easy to talk to him because I know he was, you know, the situation, wrong place, wrong time. He shouldn't have been in the car. I know he ain't really like no real street dude, no gangster, none of that. Yeah, I know all about that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, like, look, 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 like, that, 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 that's my co-defendant right there. <laughs> <laughs> we got a line. Yeah. We got yeah, a line. Big, big facts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's hilarious. That's that's my right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, hey, that's funny, man, because, like, you know how you got, you know, like, like I said, like me, I was square, you know, so I would, they would still be riding with me and stuff, because I had a Honda, it was low-key, they used to use my car all the time, right, wild stuff, I wouldn't be in there with them, but just happened to be in there this one time, and then Millersville, um, you know, they do what they call roadblocks, because it's a small town, so they have police to set up the stop signs, four ways. They stop every car that comes through and check IDs. Yeah, they do that. So when I got to Houston and found out they ain't do that, I been flying around Houston. <laughs> hey, man, I found out they ain't do roadblocks out here. Man, I been, man, I been riding dirty, dirty. You hear me? Big for that. Yeah, right. It's too, too, too big. We'll catch yeah. it in the long run. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> yeah, so I had one guy ride with me pull it to a roadblock. I had like, my ex, I had like her little brothers and stuff in the back. She was like five in the mind. You win a Honda series, cool. And uh, so they nobody back there got seatbelts on. And uh, so the guy that was riding with me, he hopped out to take off running, take off, gone in front of the police. Leave me up with these unseatbelted babies. Damn. And the police, they want some answers. Who was that that jumped out your car? Where he going? 
you know. And it was immediately at that point, I was just like, hey, like, there's no, there's no snitching stuff kind of tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's hard. You know, because they was putting pressure on me. Hey, tell me who he is, or we're going to give you a seatbelt for every baby back there in that seat without a seatbelt. And there's like six tickets. Hey, so, okay, I got to tell y'all your whole name. Oh, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nickname that I know about. Well, I, but you know, I finessed it. You know, I finessed. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know, dog. Then my um, the reason they back there is because we just the owner. I was taking him from one apartment to another one. I don't know him. I picked him up at the up the street at the gas. They say he need to ride over here to these apartments. So that's what man. I don't know him, man. And they end up letting me go because the line start getting long and the road block. You know. That's what I'm saying. They be waiting on you to go crash out because they gonna hide you. Yeah. You know how they be waiting on you to crash out. If they doing stuff like that, man, they be waiting on you. So he um you know, he's still in and out of prison or whatever, but yeah, yeah it just like Still, still just wish wish they would have made better decisions. Gotcha. Well, sure, while we on that note, man, uh, you got any advice for anybody that, that may be in that struggle, but, you know, want to get their they, they, they life on the right foot and, you know, overcome that? You know, you got you got some words of wisdom. You got you got something that you carry with, you know, that, that you want to impart as a knowledge, as a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just say, given the current time that in pause before you react pause before you react take a moment you know just stop stop everything and you know only focus on what whatever decision it is you're thinking about making how it's going to not only impact you but those around you those that actually you know support you and care for you um how, how is it going to impact? How is it going to impact your future? You know, um, I was in I was in Detroit, Michigan, on the east side, and I'm uh, on the, doing a show in one of the places TNT told me to stay out of telling jokes, and uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> ended up being it was a good show, good show, and uh, get off stage, the guy come up to me, he said, man, you know, I was just stopping my head to give me a drink. Before I went and killed myself, he said, "But seeing y'all perform, he said, man, that y'all turned around, man, y'all made me want to live, man. The, the, the way the I laughed the night, oh, uh, the, the way y'all made me laugh the night, man. I just want to keep living, man. Y'all made me realize it more than life, you know, be, uh, being happy. So what he did was he paused. He didn't know that he was pausing to come to comedy show. He paused and gave himself something to drink over oh, so my advice would be to, you know, just stop, take a moment, you know, buy yourself some time and really think about the decisions you're about to make. And how it's going to impact you. Well, that's good, man. That's solid. What do you think about that, T? I think that's good. That's real yeah. good. Yeah. A lot of stuff that process is done. Well, yeah, that's man. Really I want to respect your time. You're a family, man. I appreciate you hopping on, man. You got any questions or comments for me? Man, you know, T TNT, I'm proud of you for doing this. I've been waiting on this. I've been waiting on this. This is what I've been waiting on. Uh, I can't wait till it, it, it grow exponentially. That's T-I word. 
can't wait till it grow exponentially and uh, really touch the masses because this, this is what the world need right now. And uh, everybody talk about outreach. I'm doing outreach for the kids. No, you ain't. You're trying not. you trying not to go back in there. So you are gonna put this little paper on paper. See, I've been helping the kids. You been taking me to jail, officer? Look, I've been helping the kids over there. So, <laughs> just like you really doing something that's uh, gonna have a real positive reaction versus just checking the box of pencil. So proud of you for that. Man, I appreciate that, man. All words of encouragement are welcomed here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> job for the week, okay? You hear me? Right on. <laughs> but all right, man, I'm going to go ahead and let you go, man. Look, man, if y'all, y'all need some T-shirts to promote that uh, new movie or anything, holla at TNT, I got y'all. I got you. I'm going to call Trey right now. Say, I got another shirt, man. Let's go. <laughs> right, have a good night. All right. All right, you too. All right, man. So, look, I have one of, one of my comedy guys pull up. He made it. Uh, that was eventful. Uh, that was a very interesting story. I learned a lot about him that I didn't what? know. Yeah, that was interesting. You know what he reminded me of? He reminded me of Mike Epps. Another funny guy, unsuccessful thug. Hey, the book is hilarious. Man, just like this dude, man, the unsuccessful thug, man. That's crazy. But just the experience, a real life person that come from that, man, that's good. That was real good. Yeah, now he's a very dope guy, man. Very funny guy. And yeah, man, that's all I had. Just something to keep us us going. Shaking it up a little bit. I like uh, that. Because, yeah, I really have too much. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes, all right. We've been freestyling all our life. I, I still got to go. Already. Because we're for the show. Ain't no stop now, yo. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's good. You got any, like, just reclosing remarks, like, um, you know, for the week? You know, every day, to be honest, like, we, we're on a journey. I call it fell into phenomenal, and I call it a journey for a reason because. Society as a whole really won't let you forget. You have to grab a hold of it and, you know, not let it affect you because, again, society won't let you forget. Um, and it's about taking control of your life, you know, owning your mistakes and moving forward. So just, um, like, you got any remarks about, you know, where you are or how this week is going or just the space that you're in? Like, cause, I mean, you're technically still in it. You ain't even... Got your last paperwork, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. You, you still ain't experienced that last piece of freedom. Like, even though you still gonna have the stigma and have to work through that, it's like the last piece of freedom when there's no more paperwork, it's no more reporting, it's no more I'm obligated to do X, Y, and Z. This is no longer on my calendar or schedule to report or talk to, you know, X, Y, and Z. Well, you know, looking back from, from your perspective, as far as like what you're dealing with and other people that I've seen that become successful, such as Rambo, Too Funny, right now, I haven't even began, really, to be honest, which is why I think I, I'm really in, in that surface where I'm starting to get to that process because after this, now we have another session or another part of the journey that I'm going to actually have to deal with that is outside of, you know, the hand-on-hand contact that I have to deal with them. It's just, like you said, the title and everything. I would, 
once you're free from that type of obligation, you'll think that you'll no longer have to deal with it. Well, then it's not true. So it's like something that you kind of continue holding on. But what I would like to, to leave with, with the people is some things. When, when I was in there, it's some of the realistic statements that we make that people allow it to hinder them. They don't care about you. Okay. Um, if they don't care about you, then you got to care enough about yourself in order to do what you got to do in order to not put yourself in a position where somebody has control over who you, that don't care about you. And that it implements the boundaries. It's, it's understanding that the type of relationship, the prisoner to inmate, well, the guard to prisoner or the system to prisoner relationship that you're sharing that is toxic. And by you continuing to put yourself in that position, causes you to put yourself in a position of being around somebody that doesn't care about you. So clearly you're not caring enough about yourself. So it's kind of just like that change of mindset is like these realistic things, uh, they use us to make money and sell us the stuff and it's number to, to t- think of us as a number or a ticket. Well, that's the way the world is anyway because you're working out here for free with these people, but out here you're going to work for someone else. And I'm sorry to tell you, all they care about is their business and their money and they ticket and you ain't number the number there too. Sorry, you were actually introduced to this by getting... I'm not even gonna say that, but uh, you've been introduced to this that this is a process that you are nothing but to for, to invest in somebody else's game. So in that sense, you still again you got to care enough about yourself. At the same time, is care enough about yourself to the things that you see that is realistic to make you feel like you're not getting what you want and what you're worth and what you value. To find those things to make positive and productive ways to get that work that value for yourself and not depend on someone else and thinking that there's their responsibility. It's not. It's yours. Just do it. Like thank you. So and with that, that's what we're gonna end with, ladies and gentlemen. Uh be productive, be impactful, and think critically. I forgot how I was gonna think end Okay, it was you your mind. Look, I'm gonna work it out. Y'all don't worry about it. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Peace out. Get out of here. Thank <laughs> you.